Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome back to Angel on Top, a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of Angel one by one, spoiler free, and in tandem with that damn dirty buffering the vampire slayer. <laughs> I'm your co-host Latoya Ferguson, aka the Cordelia Chase of the Buffering Verse, aka Bones, aka one half of the Gun Squad, blah blah blah, <laughs> aka Theodore K. Mullins, aka. Gilly, a.k.a. lover of long-winded bits. And I'm your co-host, Morgan Ludich, a.k.a. the Winifred Burkle of the Buffering Verse, a.k.a. also Bones, a.k.a. the other half of the Gun Squad, Bang Bang, a.k.a. Frank Scavopoulos, a.k.a. sorry, a.k.a. also a lover of long-winded bits. And this week... We are watching Angel Season 3, Episode 15, Loyalty. Loyalty was written by Mary Smith and directed by James A. Contner. It aired on the WB on February 25th, 2002. And this is the one where Wes desperately tries to make the translation read anything but, and then the father will kill the son. on Angel. Holtz, England, 1764. Yes, it has England, 1764 in the flashback, just so you know. <laughs> and Jealous and Darla took a lot from him. Holtz lets Angel and Bibi Connor get away, and Sajan is pissed. Holtz tells Justine that he needs her to find others like her, ones that have suffered as they have. Angel sends Cordy away for a few weeks with Gru. Russ reminds Angel that Connor has a role to play, and the Niazian text translate to the father will kill the son. Dun, dun, dun. Ah! Oh, no. Truly not great. You do not love to see it. Uh, this was a tough episode to watch. And you cried, correct? Yes, I cried. And as I told uh, you and Kristen off mic, I cried in front of my boyfriend, who is Uh, finally watched Waiting in the Wings with me this week. And he was like, how many episodes are you ahead of me? And I said, two. And he (laughs) seemed concerned, as he should be. (laughs) Good. Very, very good. Good God. Yeah, we open with Wes, who has fallen asleep at his desk. And Gunn's first line in the first line of the episode is, you gotta admire the loyalty. Oh, man. (laughs) That's the name of the episode. Um, And yeah, uh, he also immediately comments after that Wes really needs a life. Given that this is a dream and this is his subconscious, ouch, like what a time to be Wes. (laughs) And yet Wes refuses. He refuses to get a life. And, you know, that's not going well. So 
Gun and Fred are just like, he deserves more. And then Fred's like, I wonder if he's found out anything new about Connor. And she's about to grab his notepad. He, he wakes up and says, don't touch these notes. He's like, I have them in a specific order. And, you know, he, like, we're dealing with a very scruffy Wes, a very sleepy looking Wes, a very haggard looking Wes. And but yet, in a deeply handsome Wes. Exactly. He's so tired and haggard and just disgusting. He looks so hot. He looks so hot. All I could think about was the new girl joke where Jess does admit that she has thought about it with Nick. And there is the cut to him at the bar making two bar nuts talk to each other and then bursting into tears and her looking at him like, "Mm." like, what is it about a man going through something that makes Wes look kind of (laughs) hot? It's the Don Draper question. (laughs) But uh, truly, he is looking good and feeling bad. Uh, Angel enters with Connor and he's like, yeah, you got any answers? Um, Look what I'm teaching him how to do. And he flips into vamp face and says, I'm teaching him how to die. What? And he takes a big old chomp out of his son. It's horrifying. Wes is horrified. Uh, Gunn and Fred watch, like, smiling, like, this is super cute. And then suddenly Wes's hands are bleeding all over the books. And it's, um, it's a dream, thank goodness. Yes, it's only just a dream. A very bad dream. So Wes wakes up in the office all alone. This time it's just Angel and baby Connor greeting him because he's been there all night. I I would like to get um, right up at the top here. Your take. Do you think Wes is doing the right thing, trying to kind of figure this out on his own before he goes to Angel about it? I think he definitely thinks he's doing the right thing. It's hard because, you know, Angel told him, you know, if, if there's anything, come to me. And Wes is doing everything he can to, to like, make sure he's translating it wrong, honestly. So mm-hmm. he's like, I don't need to go to him because I'm going to do what I can to prove that it's not correct. That's that's what most of what he is trying to do is anyway. So it's like, why would I go to Angel and freak him out about this if it's not even true? He's trying to get it to be said that it's not true. So, like, that is what I agree, like, 100%. And I know we, we I wanted to get a baseline for that since we uh, ended last episode in somewhat of a precarious place with Wes, uh, you and I did, uh, given how he was acting about uh, Gunn and Fred. But I do think, like, right now he's trying to not cause needless alarm and panic. And I'm I'm very much, like, on his side. Like, he does not want it to be true. And maybe because of that, he's acting, like, possibly like a little bit foolishly, but it comes from such a good place and it's out of a desire to do the right thing and to ensure that like Angel is told the truth. Um, But given how many times Angel who like every other fucking sentence is like, by the way, you might have to kill me one day. (laughs) (laughs) It's also does seem like a safe person to tell this news to, even if it's going to hurt him immensely yeah it was also though up top at the whole niazian scrolls and like cordy even cracks the joke to wes about not getting like the translation wrong this time like he did with the, the shanshi prophecy so like you know he, he they've been through this and that that has to be in his mind too he's like i have like he is so hoping he is getting it wrong again 
Yes, because that these like prophecies have a history of being finicky and the wording being difficult and tricky and there being mistakes that cause unnecessary alarm before. Like, I do think Wes is going about this pretty much like the right way. Like, I, I am I am. I was very, like, sympathetic to Wes, and my heart was, like, breaking for him this whole episode. I thought he really was, like, doing his best. Yeah. So Angel and Wes go to the baby doctor together. Oh, my. (laughs) Mr. Dad. Morgan. Mr. Dad. Mr. Dad to the rescue. Mr. Dad, check me out. I'm Mr. Dad. (laughs) I was unwell. Angel um, has this conversation with an, um, a couple of moms who are in with their babies, and he's he's showing them what's what. He's like, have you used, like, the vacuum noise to soothe your baby to sleep? Like, if it's too loud for your other kid, have you tried taping it and placing it by the crib? What an expert. <laughs> Good job, Mr. Dad. Yeah. Angel brought Wes basically because Wes has been holed up in his office for days. None of them have really even seen him until now. Um, Of course, Wes is like just also being very attentive to Connor and making sure everything's on the up and up. But Mm -hmm. yeah, Angel is like trying to help Wes, you know, get out of this funk because he's he's clearly in a mood. He's that like really dark, sad guy around. Yes. And I appreciate that this is something every like... That is now, like, not escaped everybody. Like, you know, you could play the version of the story where it's like, like, Fred and Gunn are too busy with each other and Angel's too, like, busy being sad about Cordy to care. But no, everybody has noticed something is wrong with Wes. Um, And I I appreciate that. And I think that that that's just it says so much about their bond with each other and how close of a family they are and like the fact that they do operate as this unit and if one of them falls things do start to suffer like for the group um and that is what we see here and it is very painful to watch (laughs) and much like how every other thing angel says uh is that you know you're gonna have to kill me one day every other thing he says is if there's anything i can do to help tell me (laughs) to which west does not (laughs) Uh, but yeah, they're at- I sure do love my son and would never hurt him ever. <laughs> but yeah, they're at the doctor because uh, Angel's been hearing a, a wheeze slash gurgle when uh, baby Connor is eating, which is digestion. Oh, buddy. I wrote cautious dad Angel uh, in a heart in my notes. Uh, yeah, Connor is declared a happy, like a, a healthy boy, like as healthy as a human being can be. Wes kind of pipes in like he's normal right like <laughs> and he's like don't don't ask that and he's like he's normal right <laughs> oh my god Wes you can't just ask if a baby is normal <laughs> um, but he is he's normal and it's all good and they leave and you know what's not normal and all good the fact that one of those moms from like the waiting room comes in and switches out Connor's blood you can't trust anyone yeah you truly can't i did not care for that one bit (laughs) (laughs) what is good is that angel has uh gone on the web to to buy things 2002 it's the web ah yes so um angel has memorized cordelia's credit card information and is using it to online shop how nice of him (laughs) (laughs) he gave her a wad of cash it's okay Oh, yeah, I guess we consider that a credit. Yeah. He has bought a bunch of stuff for Connor, including tiny little hockey sticks and a little jersey that is like custom made that says Connor on the back. 
oh my god i love this scene so much gun comments that um hockey is the whitest sport ever he has a point but angel also has a point which is the night games and it's indoors oh my god i i screamed and i love that gun's like all right fair angel says this thing okay look i know it's a little bit too early to be thinking about stuff like this but i i can't wait to watch him you know grow up for him to lose his first tooth learn how to ride a bike (laughs) i just can't wait to see who he's gonna be i know that's mushy but he just he makes me so happy We watch Wes overhear this. And if you have somehow through this episode, like through the through the first, you know, seven minutes of this episode, not managed to feel crippling sadness for Wesley in the position that he's in, watching him listen to his friend talk about like the joys of fatherhood that are that are yet to come to him, knowing what he knows. Um, ow, that hurt me. If, if you don't feel anything, you're made of stone. <laughs> yeah, you you can only assume it just makes him want to, like, find out that this translation is wrong even more. Overhearing this, and he says a line which is, "I know that's mushy, but he just makes me so happy." And you have to imagine also, like. Because I, I looked in the script. So mm-hmm. in the script, it, it notes Wes's reaction for, like, most of that speech. But the difference between the script and the episode is that there's no... In the script, there's no reaction to the makes-me-so-happy line, whereas in the episode, there is. Yeah. Which makes me think, like, it's kind of a choice where Wes is also thinking in the back of his mind, well, a moment of true happiness. Because I know we've had people ask us about that, specifically yeah. Connor being born. How couldn't that, you know, trigger the moment of true happiness? Mm-hmm. But... Here, he's talking about how he just makes him so happy. And with what Wes is seeing now with the father will kill the son and how happy Angel is. And you can only imagine maybe that's also factoring into just in case this is true. Yeah, that is that is a really good point. And also with the hockey stuff, I believe uh, Boreanaz is a hockey bro. So that's also part of it. Oh, that's cute. Um, Angel and Gunn play a little game and they almost immediately shatter a window. (laughs) And by they, you mean Angel. It was Angel. He did it. It was Angel. And also, while Angel is saying all the stuff about how much he loves his son and can't wait for him to grow up, Wes doesn't see this, but he is just casually drinking a big old glass of blood. Strangely, in a clear, big old glass, not in a mug like usual. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. Wesley's not seeing it, at least now. Yeah, interesting. So, so uh, post-hockey, post-broken window, a potential customer walks in. Uh, good that this woman ends up ga- being a fake because that would have been really unprofessional and a bad way to start off a relationship with a client. Um, but so. she is um, hot. And it's also how his relationship with Virginia began, too. So Yes. Um, she is very hot. Yes. Uh, this actress is Wendy Davis, who is best known for playing Joan on Army Wives, the one who was married to Sterling K. Brown's character who loved Army more than she loved her family. I told you about her before. I have heard about her. I can't imagine loving Army more than my husband, Sterling K. Brown. Couldn't be me. At, um, at the end of the series, Sterling K. Brown makes her choose between Army and her family. If you listen to any vampire podcast I'm on, I will talk about Army Wives. That's just the way it is. Apparently, yeah. And I love hearing about Army Wives. 
So we we cut to um, a scene. We're in the Hyperion lobby. Uh, like the whole team is assembled with this customer whose name is Aubrey. She explains that her son, Timothy, snuck out late at night, went out to the pier, and he came back before dawn mean. Something was wrong with his face. He demanded to be let in. He was scaring her, and she didn't let him in. And when the sun rose, he burst into flames. Sounds like a vampire to me. Yeah, uh, kind of to me as well. And she's just really broken up. And she's like, should I have let him in? You know, what should I have done? And Wes is like, if you let him in, he would have killed you. And Gunn backs him up and is like, that's not your son. That was something else. And Angel piles on and says, yeah, there's no turning back from becoming a vampire. Like, you're just this evil thing. And Wes is like, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so... Wes, uh, like, you know, when we're deciding what to do about this, you know, we're like, you know, maybe we can't save this woman's son, but maybe we could save other people that Mm -hmm. the, you know, vampire or vampires who turned him might go after. So Wes sends Gunn to the pier for a recon only mission. We have this moment where Gunn kind of bristles. He's like, no, I can go armed up and I can just like kill shit. And uh, Wes is like, no. That would be dangerous. Like, just go for recon. And Gunn is like, fine, but I'll bring Fred. Um, So things are still testy between the two of them. It's interesting because in this case, unlike last episode, Wes isn't, like, doing something just to get rid of Gunn. This is, like, a legit, like, just go check it out, basically. He's, the whole, like, the whole gang's here, so it's not even, like, he's having a time to think, and this is how I'll get him away. It's literally, Mm -hmm. like, Gunn, like, just go check it out. Because Gunn wants to, like, just go in guns blazing, basically. Mm-hmm. And then Gunn th- throws the Fred thing back in Wesley's face. When he's, like, Wes is not even thinking about that right now. He has other things on his plate. Yeah. And so this is a bummer. And this is so, to talk about, like, Gunn's, like, state of mind, we have been firmly, like, you know, a team Gunn uh, in terms of the love triangle, but also in terms of the fact that, like, last episode, Wes was being a dick, uh, and it was not a good look, and Gunn was just, you know, trying to enjoy his new relationship, <laughs> uh, like mm-hmm. he is completely entitled to do, but... This is getting this like this is the first time I think Gunn is being like a little out of bounds. Like I don't like I it's it's an understandable reaction to last episode and the stuff that happened, but this has nothing to do with that. Like this is reasonable to say, you know, like Wes is telling him to take care of himself and stay safe. And so we're seeing some of Gunn's like impulsivity, which later Aubrey notes when she goes back to explain everything to Holtz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we, <laughs> I want to say we cut to what I described in my notes as a bad guy meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we reveal that Aubrey works for Holtz. Um, I write in my notes, Holtz shaved and it's bad. <laughs> I can't believe I prefer the goatee, but I prefer the goatee. <laughs> it's, it's that plus the leather jacket. Keep the goatee. 
yeah, this the the new look was uh, not good. Um, and this is where Aubrey says that thing about like, you know, maybe we could use guns impulsiveness. Um, she has all these pictures of Team Angel. She's kind of outlining like, this is Fred. Like, don't know if she's a fighter. Like, and this is Wes. He seems like the books guy and all of that stuff. And it is worrisome um, yeah. that she, they've gotten this close already. She knows that Wes, Wes is the boss, that like he's in charge of everything. Um, I've noted, uh, that Angel, like, his picture, it, like, it says specifically Angelus on it, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. Just this scene alone, I'm like, make Aubrey the right-hand woman instead of Justine? Yes, she is very Dude, compelling. yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to jump in. I'm gonna jump right out, but I couldn't f- contain myself. I had the same thought. Why is Aubrey not playing the character of Justine? It's correct. Yeah, it's... I, I am a third in this camp. <laughs> okay, continue. Goodbye. Well, I'm sorry, but Justine found Aubrey when she went and walked on the, out in the streets of Los Angeles <laughs> looking for people with sad eyes. So don't you want to give a little bit of credit to her? Who in LA doesn't have sad eyes? Again, I was like, you will end up with me as your recruit, and I will not kill Angel. <laughs> I won't do it. <laughs> so in this, like, so we cut to, like, another scene in what I've described as Holt's house. <laughs> really? You didn't put any effort? Because I, I call it Holt's fighty mansion. <laughs> oh, that's cute. I love the, I love alliteration. I just, it, it makes me laugh every time. Uh, Justine's like, well, why would, like, anyone work with a vampire? And Holtz is like, I mean, I made a deal with a demon once. Things aren't always black and white. And I'm like, bitch, <laughs> you're the most things are black and white person there is. Well, and it's, it's, so it's Justine interesting. points that out. Yeah. yeah. The whole things aren't always black and white, which is when, like, this is why she needs to be younger, because if you have to explain it to this grown-ass woman, what the fuck? And also, it's 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 really funny, because um, he says, I'm sure they believe their reasons are good, however misguided. Uh, which I'm like, I do like the fact he doesn't necessarily begrudge the members of Team Angel. But then my other note is, in all caps, pot, kettle, black to him and all of these people. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and so Justine is like, yeah, well, what about Angel? And he goes, yeah, no, Angel, uh, he's evil. He's bad. He's all the way bad. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, like, how can they see and read in this dark ass room? <laughs> <laughs> Fools. Um, we have a moment where I guess for training purposes, they have these vampires chained up uh, and they fight them and one gets loose and Justine has to, you know, like be a badass and like stab it and get it rechained. And Holtz is so proud of her. And I am like, are they going to have sex? Like, like, <laughs> I cannot understand the vibe between these characters, these actors. Like I, it it remains not working for me. And again, don't want to yuck anybody's yum if this is working for you. More power to you. But I don't care for it one bit. Luckily, Sajan shows up to, uh, you know, give give some to give things a little bit of levity. 
And uh, Justine like tries to stab him, but he's incorporeal. Ha ha. Uh, he tries to pressure Holtz into, you know, getting to it and doing his bidding. But Holtz is like, you can't fucking do anything. Like, not only are you incorporeal, but if you could have done something about me not listening to you, you would have done it already. Like, it's clear that you need me to do the work for you and that you have to be a bystander in all of this. So uh, I'm not scared of you. I mean, 10 points to Holt, honestly. He figured that shit out. Yeah, I'm like, all right, fair enough. Like, good like good for him. And, like, Sasha tries to bait him. He even brings up his dead wife. <laughs> yeah, and this is, like, the first time we get confirmation of exactly what they did to the baby. Because that was a question. Because, obviously, they weren't going to show that. Fair enough, yes. And, um... Holtz, like, you know, not to be trifled with, uh, threatens Sajan right back. He's like, look, I'll trap you in a fucking magic urn for eternity. I don't give a shit. And uh, Sajan is, like, you know, appropriately scared and leaves. But he does say that this isn't over. Our next scene is in Wes's office. He's on, he's, he's having a phone call with a wizard. Of course, as you do. He's asking the wizard for help. He's also paying the wizard, so he better fucking help. Yeah, come on. So Fred comes in, and uh, at first Wes is like, what? Like, you know, like, what do you want? <laughs> and uh, she's like, I'm here to give you a compliment. <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit. Like, I'm a piece of shit. Like, you can just see him be like, oh, God. And he's like, you were really there for, like, that woman, Aubrey. Like, you were really good with her. And he's like, oh, well, thanks. And he, like, smiles. And it's very nice. It's nice to see him um, not brooding. Um, and she's like, why don't you get out of here? Like, you know, you've been cooped up in here so long. And he kind of starts to lighten up like, wow, it's so nice that, you know, um, Fred, who happens to be my crush, is like saying nice things to me and taking an interest in my well-being. And then she's like, yeah, you should get out of here with Aubrey because she's really pretty. And that's when he turns, and that's when I have to turn on Wes again for this episode, because, like, oh no, Fred's only being nice to him as his friend. How dare she? Like, does he think she's being nice to him in any way other than platonic? Like, what does he think's happening here? Yes, um, I, I agree, but I will say, like, I he says we're not here to date we're here to, go, to do a job so why don't you like go do yours at the pier which I write in my notes kind of a dick move but I am willing to let it slide because there is so much dead sun stress like it, it feels while while it definitely has you know it, it's not unrelated to his feelings for her and all of that stuff i would argue that like he he's under a lot of dead sun stress um but yeah it, it, you're right it does suck like imagine like, him saying that to cordy and see what happens oh yeah i mean cordy would bite his head off <laughs> <laughs> like yeah i like yeah i just think that he he's it hits too close to home and he doesn't have the emotional bandwidth to deal with it and that is it, while it comes from a good place from Fred, like we acknowledge later that Fred knows Wes had feelings for her. You know, she's not oblivious to this. Like, I do think that is I think that's a bad move on her part, too. Like she should not like 
And, and, and I think that as a friend, it's a bad move. Like, don't tell someone who likes you to date someone else, like, when you work together at work. Like, that also just feels, like, too messy. <laughs> like, I think everybody, everybody's being far too messy. <laughs> <laughs> messy, messy, messy. Our next scene takes place at Wolfram and Hart. Uh, we're with Lila. It opens uh, unexpectedly with Lila mm-hmm. on the phone with her mom, who is like crying, who doesn't seem to know who she called or why Lila, you know, can't come over to her. Lila has to explain that she can't come. She's in Los Angeles. Like it's um, it's a new color on Lila. It's, um, and it's it's sad. Yeah. And all really Lila has to offer her for help is money, honestly. And yeah. This is really um only like the second time we've gotten any context in who, into who Lila is outside of work and the first was um untouched in season 2 but even that was still related to Wolfman Hart, you know. It was also written by Mary Smith. Oh, wow. Oh, very cool. Um I have, you know, it's no secret I I love Lila. Um I <laughs> enjoy I enjoy this like this definition of her. Like it I think it's really beautifully played by Stephanie Romanoff because I think there's a world where she plays it like super soft and really troubled by it. But instead there's something about it that's still very much like I'm at work. I'm at a distance. There isn't much I can literally do. So she's like playing like this shade of being affected by it, but also very much with like a wall up and with like a, a fair amount of like distance and kind of iciness and I just I think it's it's really good like everything they do with Lila is usually like kind of removed and you know she isn't you know in our like she is number two on the call sheet but I I just appreciate everything that they do with her to develop her like piece by piece I think it's so well done and she's so pretty <laughs> agreed and agreed and then uh Sajan pops in mm-hmm. so and she isn't surprised by him. And he's like, he's surprised that she's not surprised. Yeah, I I absolutely love it so much. Uh, yeah, she's like, let's cut to the chase. And he and she kind of uh, says, look, I get what you want, but it's Wolfram and Hart policy to let Angel live. But then she writes on a little notepad, on a legal pad, count me in, in big letters. So she is uh, willing to take down Angel with Sajan. Love, love this. So shady. So wonderful. So very, very shady. And of course, uh, she knows who he is because of files and records downstairs. (laughs) And... Sajan's like, I need something very rare and valuable. And it's like, the joke is, like, you see it coming a mile away. Oh, yeah. And it's still great. He's like, yeah, it might be almost impossible to get. And he's like, uh, Connor's blood. And she's like, got it. He goes, <laughs> got it? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And she's like, yeah, it's like really normal blood, though. Like, nothing cool about it. And Sajan's like, that's because like your people do not know what they're looking for. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, our next scene's at the pier. We're with Gunn and Fred. And Fred, like, you know, I, you know, her ears ringing with, uh, you know, Wes's uh, command to stay professional is like, let's work. Like, you know, we got to stay on task and do everything we're supposed to do. Whereas Gunn is like, ooh, ring toss. <laughs> 
Himbo excellence. <laughs> and he's like, Fred, win me something. I almost died. Like he was like, I'll be macho and win and win something. Never mind, you be the macho one. I <laughs> am writing hearts all over my notes. He's like, win me a bunny. I am I'm melting. So Fred is like, hey, but we're supposed to be working. Gunn gets really annoyed with Wes and says, Actually, this was my job. Wes never said to bring you along. Probably wanted me out and about so he could chat up my girl. Wesley wouldn't do that. I'm your girl? Wes knows about us and you knew he knew and you didn't let me know? This is, I think, the moment where, like, finally we start to deal a little bit more with, like, Fred's point of view on this mm-hmm. whole thing, um, which I appreciate that we're finally in a spot to hear what she thinks about this. I kind of wish we could have heard more, but still, it's like, at least we're getting something. How did you feel about that? Well, yeah, like I said, this is um, why communication is key. Because again, after last week, Gunn thinks that West Sun on a wild goose chase, like mm-hmm. they did last week. But hey, the wild goose chase uh, had uh, tree branches sucking them in. So maybe it's good. Yeah, yeah, so now he's upset about the thing that was happening last time when it's not <laughs> happening this time, but, you know. And as for the Fred of it all, yeah, she should have known instead of having this uh, little macho pissing contest that they they, they started. Uh, yeah, she, and... She was, like, internalizing things without even knowing why they were happening. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, I was a little bit bummed because he's, like, Gunn is like, okay, Wes said something to you. Did you tell him that we're adults and it's none of his business? And Fred's like... Um, and I, like, at that, I was kind of a little bit annoyed at, because I'm like, well, that's not necessarily fair. Like, that's her boss. Like, and while, they, while like, everyone is friends here, like, this is awkward. And, like, if she, you know, didn't have it in her in that moment to, like, stand up to, to Wes, you don't want to, like, make her feel bad about that, do you, man? <laughs> Also, yeah, she's new to the group. She doesn't have, like, uh, the, she's not as close to Wes as, like, they are. And she doesn't, doesn't feel, like, comfortable enough to, like, challenge him the way, like, the rest of them would, you know? Yes, I just, I feel really, like, sad. And I feel really bad for Fred. And she's like, look, maybe we should just, like, work at work. Which is, you know, like, reasonable. And Gunn is like, no, come on. Maybe it's selfish, but I want both. Like, I want us to be able to have it all, which is also really sweet and lovely, um, even if maybe I wonder how realistic it can be. Um, And he's like, come on, let's go, like, look for vampires. And I write in my notes, this is weird. Talk more. (laughs) Like, I'm like, you're not done having this conversation. Again, the antithesis of television drama, me just screaming, talk some more, air this out fully, be healthy. Again, that's why you got to watch In Treatment. <laughs> You're absolutely it's, right. It has everything you want in a television <laughs> show. It's just talking out their feelings and problems. Uh... Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. 
Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Our next scene takes place in the Hyperion lobby. Uh, Angel's playing with Connor. Wes is on his way out. And Angel is like, hey, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, uh, your vibe is visibly off. <laughs> Angel being the one to point out when someone's just like, they're clearly being a little weirdo, a little dark weirdo. <laughs> Hello? I don't know this man. Because Angel surprisingly is not sulking nonstop now that Cordy's gone. Because again, he has his son. Yeah, like he has this thing that makes him want to be alive. And it's so lovely. And it's n- so nice to see him being a good friend, which I'm sure makes everything for Wes even harder. Um, And Wes, like, you know, brushes off his question and Angel's like, look, I just want to thank you for being a good friend. Just twisting that fight. (laughs) (laughs) The episode's titled Loyalty. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) I want to lay face down on the floor and yell. We go back to the pier. It is nighttime now. And Fred's like, hey, uh, it's night. Should we get out of here? <laughs> and but Gunn's spidey sense is tingling. And they he's like something weird is going on here. And we see someone breaking into the carousel. Gunn is like, come on, let's finish this now. And Fred is like, I don't know. What if we left now? <laughs> Um, yeah, Gunn's saying, like, some, there's, like, a tingle. Is there, like, could he not say Spidey Sense? Was that, like, a a rights thing? I wonder if it's a rights thing or if they didn't want to make, or if they, like, 
felt that was like too nerdy for him. But given like that recently, like the whole joke in uh, in the like Marvel Spider-Man movies is like calling his Spidey sense like the Peter Tingle. Uh, that this felt <laughs> particularly nerdy to me, anyways. By trying not to be nerdy, it got nerdier. So the carousel starts up. And suddenly they are surrounded by vampires, and it was not a good idea to do this. Yes, this is one of those uh, very vivid memory set pieces that I have for this season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, spooky carousel with vampires just popping up. I love a spooky carousel. Like, that is is good spooky stuff. Uh, The Punisher has, like, a big uh, carousel fight scene that absolutely rules. So I'm fond of a carousel set piece. We go to commercial, we come back, we reveal that Justine and uh, one of her and Holtz's uh, goons uh, are hiding away and taping this. Uh, Gunn is like, hey, Fred, leave. Um, Like, go when I say he's going to fight all the vampires himself. Um, Yikes. Uh, Fred does leave, seemingly. There's a big fight and Gunn is not gonna make it like it just like he is outnumbered pretty vastly and it's really scary for a second and fred ends up running back and saving him and like thank goodness she did or else he probably would have died oh yeah he very much would have died um wes was right (laughs) yeah wes was right and it's interesting because like uh justine and this other guy they're like should we do something and justine's like no no we're just here to observe you know um so i guess they uh they i guess she maybe doesn't have the sympathy for team angel that uh holtz kind of has or uh you know this guy who's clearly not brainwashed enough to (laughs) want to just let them die so (laughs) yeah fair enough so justine like you know watches the save and is like ah would you look at that so like now we have it confirmed that fred can do a little bit of fighting and gun is like why are you here like why'd you come here and fred's like because i've got your back they smooch they hug it's sweet um it's it's really nice like it's they're they're so lovely they remain so cute the next scene is less cute but it's not entirely devoid of cuteness because uh, Wes um, on his, you know, like mystical quest uh, with directions from the wizard arrives at a statue as he as it was described. But it is a statue of an anthropomorphic hamburger for a like uh, burger drive through called Jolly Burger. How dare you call on the Loa? I I couldn't handle this guy. It is uh, quite wild. It's a, it's a moment. That's also something that sticks in my brain. Oh, how could it not? Yeah. Do you recall your, your first viewing of the big burger? Yeah. Wesley's talking to a big old burger. That was my <laughs> first memory. And like, I was thinking like, he's talking to a burger. What's happening on this show? What is the tone? teenage me was asking <laughs> oh such reasonable already like great tv critic questions teenage you was asking 14 year old me asking what is this tone <laughs> love it um so big big burger says in his booming voice you have answers human you search now only for the question which is what uh angel said in wes's dream and wes is like okay will angel kill his son 
And the burger is like, yeah. <laughs> and Wes is like, okay, well, how do I stop it? And the burger is like, you can't, and zaps him. Morgan, 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 have, have you mm-hmm. learned nothing from me? <laughs> the burger doesn't just say, yeah. The burger's <laughs> um, exact words are, that the vampire will devour his child is certain. Everyone, put that in your Shanshu prophecies, please. Mm. The burger even goes so far as after that, saying that, uh, you know, maybe I should just kill you, Wesley. <laughs> you know, betrayal and agony lie in wait for you. Um, and Wes is kind of like, all right, like, might as well fucking kill me. Like, which absolutely breaks my heart is this where you cried during the burger scene no i did not cry during the burger scene (laughs) but i probably got misty during the burger scene because it's me um so wesley's like okay when is this going to happen this the first portent will shake the earth the second will burn the air the last will turn the sky to blood and wesley's like an earthquake that's the first portent we live in california Big Burger turns back into a little burger. And Wes is left alone and unsettled. So we cut to a bar. Uh, Lila's there. She uh, gets a scotch. I write in my notes, she's so hot. Is this when she's in her red outfit? It was a great outfit. Why would you ask me? You know I'm not going to remember that. I know. She had a red outfit in this episode, and it was... Probably, I I guess. Amazing. Um, I loved it. Uh, Sajan shows up. And Lila's like, cool, just want you to know that the plan's on. Bye! (laughs) And he's like, come on, like, don't you want to talk? Like, would it impress you that I invented daylight savings? And I'm like, no, it wouldn't. And Lila's like, God, what do you want? Like, 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 she's just like, oh, this sucks. Why do you want Angel dead? And, like, they kind of, like, both admit that they have history with him and that it's not easy. And Lila's like, okay, well, all you need to know is that the plan has started. Now, I think um, we might have a little bit more information on Lila and what she may uh, be wearing from a certain corner. Kristen's Why was your immediate response? Why would you ask me that? I would never know what Lila is wearing. Do you? Are I would you never not- know what I. I never know what anyone's wearing when Morgan's like, and they're wearing. I'm like, I don't. I didn't pay attention well, to this. I, I, I don't just care. think that's an interesting. You know what I mean? Like some people are like noting the clothing, like attracted to the clothing on a person, but I feel like that indicates mm-hmm. that you are looking somewhere else. It's not about the clothing for Latoya. Yes. So, I, 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 when I look, at, when I look at Lila, I never think about the clothing. I just think about what's underneath. <laughs> <laughs> just her and her beautiful soul. Yeah, her beautiful soul. I'm thinking about Lila's big, Dude. flawless soul. <laughs> big, wow, heaving, natural soul. If, if my purpose in this corner was simply to get Latoya to talk about imagining what's underneath uh, Lila's outfit, then I have succeeded. I, I don't know if I'll top this one. Uh, she's wearing... She's wearing... And I don't uh, know about is, top Lila. This... <laughs> <laughs> this is not the red outfit, Morgan. This is she's wearing kind of a lilac 
uh, like, it's, I think it's a suit. It's very dimly lit in this um, bar, mm. but it's it's sort of like a, a lilac, dark purple, maybe um, suit. So it's like a jacket mm. over a sweater, perhaps. Uh, right. This is a great episode for Lila. There's a couple of things that I would love to say. One is... Mm-hmm. All I want in the universe is a spin-off series of Sajan and Lila. I think that they are <laughs> definitely the dream team. They're the dream team. They are like the like the like hot like Sajan trying to joke and fucking Lila not having any bit of it and like her knowing mm-hmm. shit that he didn't know and him being like you're su- you're such a Gen Zer and I'm such a boomer. <laughs> like it's like there's just like a generational gap that they're fucking struggling with and Anyway, so I request that. And then the second thing is that you just you just ran right by the first scene between Lila and Sajan, where fucking Lila, leaning back in her chair, is like... Great, let's shorthand. You're a time shifter. You recruited Holtz in the 18th century, put him on ice for a couple hundred years so he could pop up and stake Angel when he's least expecting it. But considering I've yet to put on my boogie shoes and dance on Angel's pile of dust, I'm imagining that Holtz isn't working fast enough for you, which leads me to believe... You think my firm could expedite the process. She says boogie shoes and she still is so hot. And that is the essence of Lila Morgan. That, that is, and that is why I love her and why I don't remember if I chose her for my fuck watch. But when you get there, just imagine the ethereal Kristen choosing Mm -hmm. Lila saying boogie shoes as my fuck watch pick. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me my corner. I will now retreat. 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 I guess you can't retreat from a corner. You kind of escape from a corner, right? You can't go any. You can't retreat anymore. I'm already as retreated (laughs) as I can be. I have a corner, so. So maybe we retreat from your corner. Yeah, leave me alone. You're you're keeping. You're keeping us hostage in your corner. (laughs) Oh, one more thing, and and I don't have to keep this in the episode, but I just Morgan, I thought that your question on um, if Wesley is making the right decision um, by not Mm. telling Angel was such a, a good and important question. And like my, the immediate thing that came to my mind is that the minute that he tells Angel, the minute that Angel finds out, Angel won't have these moments with Connor anymore. Regardless if he's gonna, like regardless if he kills Connor or not, like he he will only be able to be afraid that he will kill his son. And so for that reason, as fucked up as it is that like, you know, Angel doesn't know this and can't like work on it. I think yeah. probably the biggest gift that Wesley could give him is that he's preserving some of these moments that he has with his son so yeah i think that's really sweet and i'm gonna end your really sweet thing by saying do you know if lila and i got married my name would be morgan morgan (laughs) so you should do it just like angels i know it's i know angel's name is an angel angel but i forgot that his first name had been falsely put down as geraldo and so when i saw connor's blood i was like wait so is he angel 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 and morgan morgan okay get the fuck out of my corner So contentious. <laughs> the feud rages on. Uh, yeah, she wants to know what he wants with Angel. And he's like, I have my reasons. Mm-hmm. We have our history. <laughs> People think she's like talking to nobody, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah, because if he's if he's incorporeal, yeah, she just uh, if, she, if he 
is only visible to her, she must look quite silly. Um, I was thinking and in wondering, I'm sure it'll be revealed to us what uh, Sajan's uh, beef is with Angel. But since he can uh, travel through uh, space and through dimensions, I like to imagine that it's a future beef with Angel and that in like 2080, um, Angel like stole Sajan's parking space (laughs) and he's forever furious. (laughs) Angel double parked because that's what Angel does. And because like, Angel doesn't know anything about the Sajan of it all with all, mm-hmm. all the Holt stuff. He he knows like something brought Holt back. He doesn't know what, who it was, or anything like that. I'm yeah. sure he's he, he he's ruled out it being Wolfman and Hart. They already like did that with the Darla thing. He's like they wouldn't just repeat the same old <laughs> tricks. Yeah, you don't just try that again. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting scene between our two. Like both of them are like keeping their cards pretty close. Like, neither of them wants to reveal anything to the other because that they don't have to, even though they're working together. And that's how you know that they're both, uh, you know, professionals at doing shady shit. Yeah, the plan has already started. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> now we got Wes, sleepy old Wes, creepy old Wes staring at a baby. Uh, and uh, Aubrey comes in. He's like, sorry to interrupt your weird staring. Um, and she thanks him. She gives him a check and like Wes kind of almost catches her in something being like, she's like, thanks for killing all those vampires. And he's like, how did you know there was more than one? And she's like, you said it might be a nest. And he's like, oh, okay. Uh, is this where we uh, do our uh, fantasy booking? Because what I, what I like is that if we have her early in the season as like a client, we don't learn that she's uh, working for Holtz uh, mm-hmm. for a while. So maybe she and Wes do have a little thing. That would be nice. I just, I would love just like, I, I do agree. Like Wes needs to go outside. Wes needs to touch grass. <laughs> please (laughs) Aubrey's like are you okay like also would you like to get coffee and I'm like someone else likes broken men (laughs) it's like we know she's faking but at the same time like yes do it Wesley this is good for you (laughs) and so Wes is finally like you know what you're good and um Angel pops up and is like, you set us up. He's like, I liked the, like, calling me lonely thing. Um, And they are pissed. They know it was Holtz. Angel says... You're right to protect him. Holtz is one of the good guys. He has every right to hate me. And if he ever comes close to any of my people ever again, or tries to touch a hair on my son's head, I'll kill him. And anyone who gets in the way, you might want to mention that. It's interesting. You think more of Holtz's people would start to question his methods. Like the guy who was like when Justine wouldn't let him help or even Aubrey here. Because she seems confused when Angel says Holtz is one of the good guys and he has every right to hate me. Like she's like, wait, and you're, you're, you're like, you're not going to kill me? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We now have seen like two of Holtz's cronies kind of have experiences where it seems like Holtz is and Holtz and Justine are much worse than Angel is. So I wonder if that is something like, I mean, he says it's not all black and white, but I hope that they can maybe, maybe some of them can see the light. I mean, he only said it to Justine. He probably should have given that speech to everyone. He was just like doing his whisper thing to Justine. So only she heard that in the darkness. 
So I know you've kind of discussed like Holtz is like a cult leader, like mm-hmm. building up a following. And the thing is, like with a cult, um, there's something positive that keeps you coming back to the cult. And I'm like, what's fun about being in this <laughs> cult? Like, you know, like there's like positive affirmations or you like get like drugs or you have like weird orgies or something like there's reasons to like stay in cults. And I'm like, what are these people getting other than like, I guess like community because they're very broken. Yeah, and it's, cause it's a grief yeah. cult and like, like, revenge is basically their version of yay it's like they have the vampires they can beat up all the time that's that's their fun basically like eradicating (laughs) vampires that's like the good part for them all right worst cult ever (laughs) check out cw's cult for a better cult i i I prefer my cults to be all about kombucha allegedly Uh, (laughs) allegedly it was a cult um so then there is a little baby earthquake and wes is fucking horrified because what if this is the one so holtz is looking back at the footage of fred and gun showing them you know fred survived because she was prepared to die for the cause and they have to be even more prepared to die for the cause i don't really know how you could be more like that seems like just being reckless and like <laughs> foolish when you're fighting. I don't think there's like a yeah. I, I fully agree. I was like, this isn't good. He's like, you have to study this video a bunch. I'm like, I don't think there's like. She just kind of runs it. <laughs> she runs it and help like just be good at being a partner and don't cut and run. Yeah, and then Aubrey returns and is like, hey, so <laughs> things didn't really go to plan, <laughs> and we reveal that Wes followed her there and now wes is at uh holt's house or what uh, did you call it holt's fighty mansion yeah his fighty mansion some guy really tries it and wes punches him in the face the fact that i mean obviously wes has become a better fighter we know this over the years but he's just so much tougher than any of holt's band of losers that is scathing that is hot to me um And you know what? It it, it tracks based on what we have seen from Wes over the years. Like, he is at that level where he is, like, actually a badass. Even if he's, like, you know, when he's still goofy Wes, we know he can hold his own. But just watching him completely, like, wreck this guy's shit immediately. Holtz, you need need maybe more than people just who are sad. (laughs) Again, you just just stop. The first couple of people with sad eyes and cardigans that you found in Los Angeles is not enough. You know who Holt should have recruited? And I, I, I don't think Kristen will be happy about this. Um, and I don't know if anyone will be happy about this when I say it. Uh, it's Riley Finn. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are multiple ways you could have gone with Riley Finn. And I think the Holt's direction is one way. I mean, he does hate Angel. <laughs> it's probably like besides obviously um the casting issues um a money thing if they could get like kate and also riley finn and like get like um third one it's basically like an alpha version of the trio (laughs) yeah i i like that idea like like a, a suicide squad if you will of you know like former people from the angel like rogues gallery yes like so to speak like i love that as a thing and i love that as an idea like it it can be so fun um 
It, That's right, a, guys. A, yeah. I came up with a great idea that involves bringing back Kate Lockley and Riley Finn. Suck it. That's how good <laughs> I am at storytelling. Someone staff me, please. Well, if, like, Holtz needed an army, like, given how things ended in that gang of mine, like, the idea, like, Gunn's friends could not be, like, particularly happy with Team Angel. Yeah, Rondell, so. like, he would, I could see him teaming up with Holtz. And that would actually be, like, a really good thing. Because, you know, one thing they need is, like, leadership to the point that, like, Geo, who is brand new, take over the crew. Like, yeah. Rondell doesn't see himself as a leader, clearly. Yeah, and they're searching for someone to kind of center things around, and they have this beef that they have with Angel, and this kind of th- this issue seeing the like seeing things as anything other than black and white, and like seeing like the middle with it, like that is kind of like what some of a lot of their conflicts. Well, this is really good. So I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I, I came up with this. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Suicide Squad always works. It's always good, um, as evidenced by every iteration of the story uh, ever told uh, in cinema. So, yeah, Wes punches that guy. Whew. So Wes is like, hey, guys, maybe you don't uh, fucking know, but Angel has a soul. He's a good person. Like, you should not be trying to do this. And Holtz is like, I don't give a shit that he has a soul. I want justice. Yeah. Uh, he's like, he's a good man. And it's like, he's not even a man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wes is like, you know what? Angel's no more responsible for the crimes of Angelus than I am. Why don't you just fucking take me then? <laughs> Again, like for the second time in the episode, it is pointed out that maybe Wes just wants to die. <laughs> yeah, at this point, he's like, come on. I am hurting. Uh, and Holtz is like, no, like, I won't take you. And he's like, I guess you're here because you're afraid Angel's going to kill his child. And I just want you to know you're right. He probably will. And ow. Don't care for that. Don't care for that. Holtz is like, you know, the work that I'm doing to try to kill Angel will protect that baby. Like, come on. Like, I'm doing the right thing here. And Wes is like, oh, you just care about a baby. Like, he gets like real sarcastic voice about it. (laughs) Yes. I wrote in my notes, Wes, LOL, no. (laughs) And Holtz is like, okay, cool. Then it's war. (laughs) Great. Yes. When you're the guy declaring war, that's how you know you're the good guy, the righteous person. (laughs) And like predicting a bloodbath. Great guy. Very cool. And Wes is like, that's not war. That's revenge. And this is where Justine decides to interject and is like, what's wrong with revenge? (laughs) Yeah. And this is where I write... (laughs) Alexis and Keith are doing so well. And then she pops in like, I'm a cool girl. It feels like she's trying to strike out from the kids table. Only again, <laughs> she's not a kid. Yes, it. I, I fully agree. And I think we had even said it before when we were kind of talking about the idea of the like warped, like Slayer Watcher dynamic. She should be younger. Like, and and I, I get that, like, you don't want that to feel creepy to a certain extent. He's the WB. She, she should probably be younger. <laughs> yeah, it, it already feels creepy right now. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, you haven't it, avoided it feeling creepy. It is so it might creepy, as well feel creepy. So just successfully. let it be creepy. <laughs> yeah, sometimes things are creepy, like, especially when it's bad guys. He's so, literally yeah. grooming her. That's what is happening. <laughs> I think it works better if, if the scene is just the two of them going back and forth and like that button. I think 
I think the Justine detour in the scene is unnecessary. Yeah, I think it does kind of like throw a wrench in things and it kind of ends up falling a little flatter than it it should. But it's still, I think the power of this scene is really strong. Like what Wes is going through is very fucked up. Our next scene is at the diner with Gunn and Fred. Um, And this is where Gunn has like had some time to process. And he's like, look, I've been thinking... And I'm not mad at Wes. To which, He's under a lot of pressure. To which I say in my notes, if only he said this to Wes, so we can, all caps, heal. <laughs> uh, don't you want to heal? God, I could go for some healing. Imagine I'm now on the Morgan train where I'm like, just talk. <laughs> Obviously, the point is for Wes to feel isolated for all of this to happen. But yeah, Gunn really should t- tell Wes this too. Yeah, like, I'm glad you have had this realization, but the next step is telling Wes you've had it. Reconnect um, with your best friend. Please. I, I miss the lads. Oh, I miss I miss their movie podcast. <laughs> um, so Fred is like, look, have you changed your mind? Like, you don't want to have it all and, like, be with me and do the job? And I love Gunn in the scene so much. He says, what if it doesn't work? And Fred says, what if Wes makes us choose? And then Gunn opens up. I've been fighting vamps and demons since I was a kid. That sense of doing good, of waking up in the morning and making the world safer, better. I've always had that. But I never had a Fred before. If we have to, I choose you. So Is that, yeah, that's where you cried. No, oh not my quite. God. I was very, I was tearing up quite a bit. I was very emotional. I was unwell. This is lovely. Like he that he says all of this stuff and that that's not the end of how cute the moment is because then he gets shy and he's like almost embarrassed that he said all this stuff. And um, Fred is like, don't you worry, like Wes is a good man. He'll do the right thing. He always does. So, you know, with uh, Vampire Diaries on our podcast, The Vampire Diaries, we talk a lot about. Um, Michael Trevino being like a leading man who is very much not treated that way. Uh, I would agree the same with J. August Richards, although I think this show treats him far better than Vampire Diaries ever treated Tyler Lockwood. Yes. (laughs) This speech, this moment for Gunn, I think is like so beautiful and it's so lovely to know that that he and Fred can be this way together because I know we talked about that moment that I think was in waiting in the wings that got cut out when he is talking about his sister and he's like, I just feel like I can do that with you. The idea that um, we get to see him be vulnerable because that's not really something we see a lot. Like he and Cordy, like they had this kind of, understanding and they have what happened in first impressions which is this moment where they come to a little bit more understanding of each other he and angel are always going to have something slightly combative between them because like angel is a vampire and i feel like gun feels the need to keep like somewhat of a distance him and wes are in this kind of icy place right now but the idea that like with fred he can really open up 
is such a beautiful thing and such a thing that I feel like he deserves and that I think we're so fortunate to see. Like having Gunn in a romantic and vulnerable relationship really gets to open him up as a character in ways that we haven't been able to do with him so far. And it's so special and so important to do for him because like he really just put a again a beautiful soul um i i really do just adore him and the idea that he just like really is a hero that this is and that this is a show about like what can a hero look like what can a hero do what can a hero have done got like gun is a hero do you do you want to play it please (laughs) hit it bitch Check that tux, check that bod Sign me up for the gun squad Did someone say golden god? I'm all in on the gun squad Gameball playing, himball king Sign me up for the gun squad Even when he's curmudgeon in I'm all in on the gun squad Bang, bang, Gonna shoot a shot. Bang bang. Cracking skulls up and down the block. Bang bang. Got a smile to make the panties drop. Bang bang. Gun squad. Gun squad. What a good jingle. Pretty good, yeah. And you know what? I also think it's time for fuck watch. Yes, please. <laughs> who are you fucking so i was gonna um pull a fast one and say um alexis denisov's acting (laughs) (laughs) but in talking about this episode i think i'm just gonna say wes um he is sad he has scruff like I think it's it's Wes. Yeah, it, it, there's some sometimes there's something about a very sad, broken man. Um, I think I could help him. <laughs> I can fix him. I can um, fix he has he he is extremely hot in this episode. Even though they're all like, "You look like shit." I'm like, "No, <laughs> this looks good to me." Good to um, me. Even when we had like the one scene where we we're like, "Come on, don't be a little piss baby," but like the rest, it's like, "Oh, Wes." But also, uh, so I only had the one time to do it. I'm fucking Aubrey, actually. Hell yes, you are. Good choice. She's so hot, and you know what? In in, in another world, she and Wes are fucking all night long. Uh, congrats. Yeah, and and we if we could just make our fuck watches fuck, <laughs> then we could really like fix everything. We could, yeah, we could bring on world peace if we let our fuck watches fuck. Gun says not to uh, worry too much because you know Wesley's a good man. He'll do the right thing. He always does. Cut to Wesley in the hotel. The weight of the world on his shoulders. <laughs> Another reminder again that the hotel set is the most beautiful set in the history of television. <laughs> yes, it is. It is so so beautiful, so pretty. Um, so. Wes and Angel have this talk, and Angel admits he, 
uh, like that he completely understands Aubrey's rage and that he would do the same thing if he were in her position and that that scares him. So this is the first time he's kind of admitting like that there could be like a dark side, quote unquote, to his like love for Connor that, you know, could compel him to go to some like dark places, which is the exact kind of thing that like Wes has been fearing hearing from him this whole time. And I think this scene is like loaded in that way so beautifully in that like angels being vulnerable and admitting this thing. And that is like giving Wes like a stronger case against him in that moment. And you can tell that that is just like stabbing at him and feeling horrible. And he's just like, I love my son. And Wes says, love can be a terrible thing. (laughs) To which Angel does not react. I am screaming. This is when I am starting to cry. (laughs) I mean, yeah, because um, then Angel goes on about how love is something that he he used to believe could, uh, you know, swallow you whole and like rip you up inside. Like everything he said in passion with that, with that voiceover passion my favorite buffy the vampire slayer episode actually oh Pat, that's a great choice i'm i'm an i'm an innocence girl but i'm i'm right there with you yeah he is like now i don't feel like um the fear that i'm feeling it isn't terrible like i think it's beautiful and then wes just laughs yes <laughs> i am so obviously i'm crying i'm crying Wes is laughing. Angel starts laughing. (laughs) He's like, why are we laughing? And Wes smiles and he's like, life is funny. Like, you know, I'm just worrying about things that could never even happen. I mean, this is so real. Tired Wes is breaking down laughing. We we've talked about doing this ourselves before. (laughs) Like, it it happens, and this is, like, the most realistic moment in the episode. Yes. The the way the tension breaks there and the way it we almost get to this point where it's like, okay, oh, no, like, the worst is being confirmed. And then he, like, Wes watches his friend say all this stuff. He looks at this man, and he knows in his heart, my friend could never hurt his son. And everything... And and I know that truth. So even if I tell him what's going on or if I if like things come to light, like everything's going to be OK and that I know Angel loves his son and we're going to do the best thing for everyone. And he has this like moment of catharsis and relief in the laughing. And he's like, yeah, I was just worried about something that's like not even a problem anymore. Earthquake. The big one. Uh, the dread that I felt in this moment, the, the heartbreak, the horror, I I just think it is so beautifully done in like the journey that it takes you on. It just breaks my heart. Um, yeah. So there's the earthquake and the fire because mm -hmm. Angel is like warming up Connor's bottle Mm -hmm. on the stove. So that causes a fire. Yep. And then the blood, Angel's gushing blood. Yes. And we caught actually in like Holtz and Justine experience the earthquake as well. He like. And that's where her. it gets weird again because he like saves her from being crushed. Damn it. And then they like <laughs> look in each other's eyes. And I'm like, 
I hated no. that. I hated that so much. I, of course you did. Because why wouldn't you hate that? Yeah, yeah because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a human being. I felt ill at the sight of that. Uh, Angel saves Connor. Then he goes and he saves Wes, too. Yes, because Wes is in shock and he is just staring at the fire because he's like, oh, fuck. And then as they're outside the room, uh, Angel is just bleeding all over Connor's sky blue blanket. And Wes just, like, watches it happen. And he's horrified. Yeah, Angel makes a joke, a joke about how I thought they'd get stuck there, but at least he'd have something to snack on. He's talking about his blood. Yeah. But all what I can think is Connor. Yeah, because, you know, the baby and his blanket are covered in the thing that Angel would have been snacking on. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, throughout this, uh, Angel is drinking from a big old glass of blood, clear glass instead of the usual mug. There are scenes where Wes is there when he's just sipping on his blood while with his baby. So, like, mm-hmm. they are reminding you, Angel, a dangerous vampire who drinks blood. And, yeah, that's where we end things. And it's grim as all hell. And... You know, with Wes, it's this big question of loyalty and who is he supposed to be loyal to? That's the episode title. Angel or his son. And it's it's becoming difficult to be loyal to both. And no. Remember when we were having fun? This is still fun to me. I don't know what you're talking about. There was a carousel. They were on the Santa Monica Pier. That's fun. Uh We're still... (laughs) In a better place than Buffy is in season six. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Stepping over the lowest bar (laughs) ever. (laughs) I am unwell. I am sad. I could really use the warm and comforting embrace of something on the WB. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Okay. Hit it, bitch. They got that hot teen drama to ease the pain and trauma. And here's the episode that he needs to see. So this one was a a tough one for me. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, this episode's also kind of like paired with the episode after. I'm like, should they just be one collective episode? But you know what? I wasn't going to do that to y'all. Mm. I decided uh, to choose an episode. Technically, you could watch every episode of this because it's like seven episodes. It was another one season <laughs> WB show. Hell yeah. And actually, you know, usually I say this is what Angel should watch. I think this is what Wesley should watch because uh, he needs help. Yeah. And it is uh, the one season, seven episode WB series, I believe the final season of the WB, Modern Men. It's <laughs> a series that starred Eric Lively, Max Greenfield, Ooh. some other guy I don't know, and Jane Seymour. And in Modern Men, it's about uh, three single men and lifelong friends who hire a life coach, that's Jane Seymour, to help them with their love lives. <laughs> and really... Wesley needs a life coach to help him with his entire life, not just his love life. He needs someone to tell him to touch grass. (laughs) He needs someone to help him tremendously because he is a modern man. Angel is a vampire. Does he even look? 
I mean, do you have anything else you want to say about this episode? I thought it was fucking great. It is fucking great. Um, Morgan, are you ready to, like, really cry? I am so worried. Like, the the anxiety and the worry and the sadness I felt while watching this was quite real. And yet I was so aware that it was about to get so much worse. So, um... I'm not ready to cry as much as I'm going to cry, but I, I am trying to be realistic about how bad it's going to get, and I am going to weep. I can tell you that the next episode, um, young me um, had nightmares after it. Oh, great. <laughs> it um, traumatized me. And you might be thinking, oh, it's like a big horror episode. No, it's just one moment, and it, like, fucked me up. Oh, great. Um... <laughs> Hopefully, by the time I watch this, uh, my uh, boyfriend, Michael, will be fully caught up and I will not have to watch it alone. Um, And that will perhaps uh, be a little bit of comfort. When you watch, I I want you to text me and be like, is this the moment that fucked you up? I think you'll you'll know which moment fucked me up when you watch it. Hell yeah, I'm going to search for that. That's my favorite kind of thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Time for plugs. Um... If uh, you would like to follow us on social media, you can follow us at Angel on Top Cast at both uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Patreon by going to angelontop.com. Um, we do fun stuff on there. Uh, we did a live watch of First Impressions a while ago that you could catch up with should you so choose. And we have a little mini podcast called Girls on Film where we talk about movies. We have uh, Down With Love, an Illegally Blonde episode up. And next, we will have an Anna Karenina episode, which uh, should be pretty dang cool. Uh, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at angelontoppodcast at gmail.com. Latoya, where can the people find you if they would like to do such a thing? <sighs> Fine. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lafergs, but if I'm t- telling a joke, don't ruin the bit. Take it seriously, please. <laughs> Be cool. <laughs> I'm dying here. I can't joke about Colin Farrell being hot or the show Cheers. <laughs> Without people being like, well, actually. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at Lorgan Mudich, and my jokes come pre-ruined, so <laughs> no need to worry there. <laughs> you want bad jokes? You go to Morgan. You want good jokes? Go to me, but you don't tweet at me about them. You don't do it. Don't reply. <laughs> <laughs> don't at her. Um, and uh, with that, I guess we'll see you next time for Sleep Tight. Sleep Tight. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I 
wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.